This is an Equity Mates Media podcast. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. One of the big questions is, what is money? For practical purposes, it exists in a series of uh, heterogeneous databases, very different databases. Do you believe in crypto? Digital currency may be an answer. But it is a highly speculative asset. Uh, I do own Bitcoin. There is no second past. Welcome to the Crypto Curious Podcast, designed to help you navigate the dynamic world of cryptocurrency. Hello, my name's Tracy, and I'm joined by my pals, Blake and Craig. Hey, guys. Hey, Tracy. Great to be here on the second episode. G'day, Tracy. Happy to be here. Hey, guys. So, yes, this is our second podcast. Thanks to those who have made it to episode two with us, and welcome back. Today, we want to talk about the big one, Bitcoin, the king of crypto. Let's start by doing our best to explain Bitcoin in a few easy to digest sentences. We talked a little bit more about this in our first episode, so make sure to go back and listen to that if this is the first time you've joined us. So Bitcoin, a digital or virtual currency. An easy way to think of it is like cash for the internet. It was founded by someone named Satoshi Nakamoto in 2008 and went live first in 2009. Mystery surrounds exactly who or whom Satoshi Nakamoto could be and if he or she even exists. No one has publicly admitted to being the founder of Bitcoin. Blake, what have I missed there? Now, that was overall pretty succinct overview of the first episode, but Bitcoins, just to reiterate what you said, Bitcoins don't exist in a physical form. Bitcoins and digital currencies are stored in digital wallets on our computers and on our smartphones. And the software that we download as wallets are very similar to our internet banking. Each wallet has a unique address, kind of like our account number, where people can send us money. But with crypto, we provide them an address and people can send Bitcoins to it. Yeah, that's a good segue into how Bitcoin works. As Blake said, it functions very similar to your Apple Pay, internet banking or PayPal, but it functions in a decentralized way with no central authority. So how is that possible? It's possible because Bitcoin transactions are stored in a publicly available general ledger called the blockchain. Yeah, this is a bit of jargon, Craig, general ledger, and can confuse people when you try to say uh, you know, it's decentralized. But essentially what it is, is it records when I make a transaction to you and then when you make a transaction to Tracy. And that means it leaves an audit trail, a publicly available audit trail that people can follow and verify transactions with. You know, you can actually see these public available transactions online if you want to, but it doesn't say, you know, Craig sends Tracy one Bitcoin. It'll say 014F sends 08114 one Bitcoin, which I'm not going to send you a Bitcoin, Tracy. Sorry, but that's... Come on, send me one. (laughs) (laughs) So that actually goes into our next point that we know that to send Bitcoins, you need an address and you need private keys. So these are those random sequence of letters and numbers are unique to that Bitcoin. So when your coins are being sent from one Bitcoin wallet to another, that transaction is then put into a chain of blocks 
hence the blockchain. And private keys are kind of like a password, particular to blockchains. So blockchains is a network of computers around the world that are validating a transaction. These computers are called miners. Now, some of you have probably heard the terminology of miners before in crypto. I'm not talking about BHP or Rio Tinto. I'm talking about computers across the world that are pretty much sense-checking every transaction to make sure it's legit. That's what a miner is. So, in summary, it functions like PayPal and AppPay, but without a central authority. Bitcoin has transparency where anyone can verify the transactions on the general ledger. Is, is that right, Tracy? That's perfect. I think, uh, I think we've covered a fair bit off just then. And there's heaps more detail we can go into about these concepts at a later time. But for now, you understand the fundamentals and the terminology. And that's the most important part. We know Bitcoin is the first digital currency. So let's talk about why we didn't go digital before. Why was this the first time it was done? We'll get into this in just a moment. But first, we'll hear from our sponsors. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. We know Bitcoin is the first digital currency, so let's talk about why we didn't go digital before. Why was this the first time it was done? Yeah, so there was many failed attempts at Bitcoin before Bitcoin was Bitcoin. There was a few in the 90s, a few in the early 2000s, but Bitcoin was the first digital money that solved the double spend problem. Now, what is the double spend problem? So it's not something we've encountered before because we've used cash. So think about it if you pay for a coffee with a $5 bill. You hand it to your barista. They give you the coffee. The physical cash leaves your hand, goes into theirs. Now, think about this, but with data. If I send Tracy a cat meme, it goes from my phone server to her phone server. There are now two copies of that cat meme. So this is where the trickiness in sending data online comes in, but it's also where the blockchain comes in. Since the blockchain records and ties every transaction in a train of transaction, it removes the risk of a double spend problem. Therefore, it can be used the same way as cash for transferring value across the internet. So we're talking here about Bitcoin being used as cash. And we've spoken a few times now about Bitcoin being digital money. But at this point in time, in 2021, not everyone's using Bitcoin as money. Bitcoin is mostly used as a store of value. So, I mean, I know I certainly don't spend my Bitcoins at the local shop. Craig, are you spending your Bitcoins at the shop or are you spending your Bitcoins on on anything? No, I haven't actually, Tracy. Yeah, so I think using Bitcoin as a store of value is a bit of jargon. And basically, that means that people are holding 
value in Bitcoin like they would hold value in a house. And, you know, most people aren't using it for digital cash anymore. Um, I have an example of when I tried to use Bitcoin as digital cash. I was uh, in Cairns um, in far north Queensland and there was a surf shop there that um, accepted Bitcoin. And I tried to buy, you know, a couple of T-shirts and a pair of pants back in 2017 with my Bitcoin. But the transaction took like 45 minutes to like confirm. So I had to hang around the shop and wait for, wait for my Bitcoin transaction to clear. <laughs> before he would give it to me and that's when I realized that hey at this current time the technology just isn't ready to be a peer-to-peer digital cash but it is good for storing value so do you have those shorts and t-shirts yes I still have them so have you worked out how much they're worth right now (laughs) no I haven't done that exercise Okay, so this brings us on to looking at, you know, the fact that there are a lot of companies currently allocating part of their treasury into Bitcoin and other currencies. So why is this happening, Blake? Yeah, I suppose over the last 50 years, the our dollar has been reducing in value, not just the Australian dollar, but the US dollar and all inflationary debt-based economies. And the value of the dollar has fallen substantially because governments keep printing more and more money. And we call this you know, an inflationary system because they're inflating the economy with currency. And this means that every time they do that, they print more money, the value of your savings in your bank account goes down a little bit every year. Yeah, so Blake has set the scene there, but what does inflation mean for you? So think about inflation in a simplest term. So if you ask your mum or grandmother how much they paid for a movie ticket, they would say probably 30 cents, $3, something like that. Now a movie ticket is at least 20 bucks, 15 bucks. This is a very basic example of inflation. You can ask them for ice cream, coffee, whatever. I'm sure everything that you ask them will be more expensive today. Now, since the pandemic hit in 2020, governments around the world, particularly the US, started printing astronomical amounts of money with about 22% of all US dollars printed in 2020 alone. So this is really the catalyst for people and companies with lots of cash to reassess where to put their money. And Bitcoin has been looking like a pretty good option. Yeah, exactly right, Craig. Um, I think that companies and individuals like you and me are starting to look at you know the value of the savings reduce if they actually leave it in their bank. And now Bitcoin is seen as kind of like a digital gold or a safe haven for their money. And it's become apparent that companies would rather hold something with a fixed supply rather than something that can be inflated. With Bitcoin, there's only ever going to be 21 million Bitcoins. There can never be any more printed, which makes it a deflationary asset. And this means that Bitcoin encourages people to save over time and it will become more valuable the more people that save it. Yeah. Okay. So what we're saying there is Bitcoin is deflationary because the supply is limited. As Blake said, there's only 21 million coins that will ever be available. And money is inflationary because the supply is increasing. The US printed over 22% in the last year alone. But what can we actually use our Bitcoin for? Let's look at use cases for Bitcoin now. Yeah, so you're right, Tracy. As time's gone on, people have been more reluctant to buy clothes with their Bitcoin or in the case of you know the famous Bitcoin pizza guy, he paid 10,000 Bitcoins for two pizzas, which is now 
$500 million. So that's quite expensive <laughs> meat lovers pizza he's got himself. But I mean, to answer your question around use case, I think the real world use case for Bitcoin is a hedge against inflation. And it's a way for people to park their wealth, as Blake said before, not in a house or in um, stocks or in other investments. It's being seen as another another avenue. Mm. It was really developed to be a global peer-to-peer cash. But because of all these factors, um, people now are using it more for their savings. There's a lot of people working on improving the technology, the Bitcoin network, so it can be used for day-to-day purposes. We've recently just seen Twitter integrate it, so you can tip people on Twitter with very small amounts of Bitcoin, but I think this technology is going to take 30 years to mature in the same way that it took 30 years for the internet mature and permeate into every aspect of our life. So what you're saying is that we are all quite early and there is a long way to go on this journey. Exactly right. Hopefully you've all got your bamboo apps there and you're looking at purchasing a little bit more Bitcoin or Ethereum, but today we're talking about Bitcoin. So let's round it out with a little pros and cons list. Guys, who wants to do the pros and who wants to do the cons here? Yeah, I might jump in first, Trace, and just talk about the cons. It's really important that people are aware of you know what's good about Bitcoin and what's bad about Bitcoin. And most recently, there's been a lot of talk in the media about Bitcoin being dirty from all of the electricity that it uses. Now, the amount of electricity used to support the Bitcoin network network is more than some nation states like Switzerland. So it is very intensive from an energy point of view, but the industry is looking at this um, and trying to respond to it by using you know green sources of fuel to support the network. And there's are, are a couple more risks that people should be aware of, you know. For example, if there's issues with the internet or if the internet ever goes down, then it would make it very difficult to transfer your Bitcoins around. And probably the third and final point that I'm going to talk about is, you know, the industry is largely unregulated, which makes it harder to integrate deeply into our economy because it is hard for regulators to kind of police Okay, three decent arguments. Before I give the floor to you, Craig, just one question from me, Blake, if you don't mind. When you talked about the the going green side of things there, is it true that they're using the energy from a volcano at the bottom of a mountain to mine their Bitcoin in El Salvador? I have heard rumours that volcanoes are being used. That's so cool. (laughs) Okay, that's the counter. There you go. You can't get more green than that. Craig, over to you for your pros list. Well, who doesn't want an asset powered by a volcano? I think that's I know. Pretty, that's so cool. <laughs> I think that's pretty cool. But okay, so I'm pro Bitcoin. I mean, from an asset class perspective, we say digital gold. Gold market cap is $9 trillion. So market cap is if you tried to buy all the gold in the world right now, it'd cost you $9 trillion. Bitcoin is hovering at $1 trillion. So there's a whole group of young people who don't want to buy gold. They want to buy digital gold. So, you know, my Houdini hat on says that that's an easy 10x. All jokes aside, though, institutions, companies, and even countries are saying to buy and use Bitcoin. We've got Tesla. We've got El Salvador, PayPal. um, I think Brazil are now looking at it. So that's a pretty big deal. And all of this coupled with the scarcity of 21 million Bitcoins is just a recipe for a pump 
I hope so. This is, this is not financial advice. It's not financial <laughs> advice. <laughs> so all in all, I'm very pro Bitcoin for those reasons, Tracy. Thank you. Okay, that's good. Blake, I think you've probably got a couple of pros to add. Have you got any other pros? Because we're all pro Bitcoin here and good on you for taking the cons because that's always hard. But have you got any extra pros that you want to add to why Bitcoin makes a solid investment. Yeah, it, it creates lots of opportunities because Bitcoin essentially, the technology allows us to remove middlemen from the financial system. And this means it reduces costs for people. So, um, you know, those segments of the market that previously couldn't have things like banking because they couldn't afford it can suddenly, you know, have access to the global financial system. As well as that, there's sovereignty or people can have more autonomy in what they can and can't do. For example, you know, easily sending money abroad instead of having to use payment processes. So it really democratizes finance um, and, you know, creates a a space of innovation um, that is just really exciting to watch. Yeah, there you go. Innovation and democratising from Blake and the quick pump from Craig. So, yeah, awesome. Look, that rounds things out. So that was really interesting and we only touched on Bitcoin. Uh, lots of uh, other things to come, including my favourite, Ethereum. Let's look at that one next episode. We want to know what you want to know about crypto. So send us an email at podcast at getbamboo.io. Email or follow us on social media. All those details are in the show notes below. And don't forget to rate and review us in your podcast app. And that's it for our second episode of Crypto Curious. Thanks for joining us. I'm Tracy. I'm Blake. I'm Craig. See you later, everybody. Crypto Curious is a product of Equity Mates Media. All information in this podcast is for education and entertainment purposes only. Equity Mates gives listeners access to information and educational content provided by a range of financial service professionals. It is not intended as a substitute for professional finance, legal, or tax advice. The hosts of Crypto Curious are not aware of your personal financial circumstances. Equity Mates Media does not operate under an Australian financial services license and relies on the exemption available under the Corporations Act of 2001 in respect of any information or advice. Before making any financial decisions, you should read the product disclosure statement and, if necessary, consult a licensed financial professional. Do not take financial advice from a podcast. For more information, head to the disclaimer page on the Equitymates website where you can find the ASIC resources and find a registered financial professional near you. In the spirit of reconciliation, Equitymates Media and the hosts of Crypto Curious acknowledge the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respects to the elders past and present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islanders the people today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.